Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 97, Heart Driven Racial Reconciliation. Hello and welcome. My name is Lori Krieg and I am the executive director of Hole in My Heart Ministries and we are coming at you from Grand Rapids, Michigan and I am alongside licensed therapist, Argyle expert and my husband, Matt Krieg. Hello. Hey Matt. We also have our producer and the most professional radio voice among us, producer Steve. Hi. Hey Steve. Today, I am really excited about this conversation because I need it. We all need it. And even more than just this conversation, we're going to have more. But what we're going to be talking about is racial reconciliation and how we can view each other from the heart. I'm just going to talk for a minute just about why we need to continue talking about this and why we at the Whole In My Heart podcast are going to be talking about this. So racism is still a part of our country and our world. Just, you know, maybe this is things you guys know, but it was actually helpful for me to hear and read some of these statistics about just hate crimes that are up and white supremacists are emboldened, as well as some other statistics. According to one study, white families hold 90% of the national wealth, while Latino and black families hold around 2%. African-Americans are two times as likely to be unemployed as white people. African-American students are three times more likely to be suspended as white students for the same infractions. Black people make up 13% of the population, but 40% of the prison population. Black drivers are 30% more likely to be pulled over. I just, upon just even reading and hearing these statistics now, I was like, okay. We, this is not a post-racial society, as people were alluding to when we had an African-American president. So although this podcast, we most often speak about sexuality and the gospel, our first and foremost goal is to talk about how the gospel is good news for everyone every day. And part of that good news of the gospel is that eliminates walls and barriers between people, and these racial barriers are included. So I'm super grateful to have my friend Kanita Scripsima here to help us begin this conversation. So before we meet her, she is a Jesus lover, wife to Ken, and mother to four children, and she was born in India and has lived cross-culturally since the age of five between Canada and the U.S., Although Kanita has had many volunteer positions in a variety of organizations, her treasured professional accomplishments are that of being a published author, international speaker, cultural consultant, and now founder and CEO of SEMA Global Consulting, LLC. She has extensive experience both here and overseas in leadership and faith development and cultural education. So here she is to culturally educate us. Welcome, Kanita. Thank you so much, Lori. I'm uh, really happy to be here. And I thank you all for the opportunity. Um, By no means am I an expert with cultural things, but um, it really truly is my lived experience, Mm. um, along with a lot of the other um, readings I've done and um, work I've done in, in my space. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to have you help us. And I just appreciate we had a coffee a couple months ago when I was still very pregnant, very mm-hmm. with child. And what I appreciated about your approach to this conversation is it's very heart driven. And you just gave me permission to ask questions like dumb questions. And as you said, even before we started recording, what no did you questions say? are dumb. Thank you. Um, and so I'm excited to unpack this just because I'm, I'm guessing when, you know, Matt and I do a lot of training in the LGBT conversation and people approach us kind of with the same, like, uh, I want to do this well, but I don't know how to do this well sort of approach. And so that's how I feel like we're approaching you. And mm-hmm. I'm excited for you to help us. Thank you. But before we do that, let's get to know you a little bit more in our question of the week from last week. 
which is, what's a stupid human, quote unquote, which no one is stupid, but what's a trick that you can do? You know, some people can like, I don't know, do weird things with their eyes or tongue or dance moves. What you got, Kanita? Well, I got to be honest with you. When I was in third grade, I learned how to flip my tongue over. It looks like I'm doing a 360 with my tongue. Wow. Oh, we're seeing it. It looks like her her tongue, regular tongue, either right, right side up or like upside just, down. It just, just looks like I'm rotating yeah. it 360, so... My friend did it. I was really interested in doing it, so I kind of copied her. <laughs> That's awesome. My kids thought it was crazy wild when I was when they were younger. <laughs> hey Matt, which listener did you think was did had a cool trick? Yeah, I was a big fan of what Brianna said on Instagram. She said, "Double jointed elbows and fingers, and I can make bird noises." <laughs> <laughs> Nice. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I'm, Matt, I'm guessing a spotted owl on that one, right? <laughs> I mean, your guess is as good as mine. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, and I, I really appreciated the sound because sounds are where I went. Like, I can do the whole whistle into my hand things, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and do it. But now that I'm, like, on the spot, I don't know if it's sure. actually going <laughs> to it's actually gonna work. So. Mm. Sounded like... October wind. Yeah. yeah. Hogwarts Express. October, yeah. Yeah. Hogwarts. October. <laughs> oh, okay. wow. I should call my burger friends and see if they know yeah. what that is. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh, Whippoorwill. <laughs> Steve? Uh, yes, I liked what Jessica shared. So two weird human talents I have is, one, I can wiggle my ears, and two, when I cross my eyes, it, my eyes just naturally default where one crosses and the other just stays looking forward. Mm. Um. Hmm. I can wiggle my ears, but I have to super concentrate. Like, I can't just, like, you know, like, I have to really get in the zone. <laughs> With the crossing of the eyes, I can do that, and I can, like, move them, you know, crossed and then back and forth, and so. Very talented. Yes. <laughs> I can wiggle my ears, too. Hey, nice. I really liked what Katie had to say. My stupid human abilities include me being able to touch my tongue to my nose, I can make free throws with my eyes closed, and I can say the alphabet backwards. Unfortunately, not all at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was funny because I cannot touch my tongue to my nose, and Matt loves to remind me of that, how I basically uh, can barely touch the top of my lip with my tongue. (laughs) Because now you're going to feel sad guilty, is I was born with my tongue tied and the joke that everyone slash Matt or my dad says is, oh boy, I wish it was still tied. Oh, That's very mean. I don't know that I've ever actually made that joke, so really? I don't want to be lumped in with that. But did okay. you agree? <laughs> did, did I, I, you have, I have nodded approvingly. <laughs> did you laugh? Yeah. You were there. I did laugh. Okay, can I just have a confession, though? Because yes. when she said all those things, the touching the tongue, the yeah. saying the alphabet backwards, like I can also do those. And wow. then I was like, cool. I was like, of course you can do all three at the same time. And then I proceeded to touch my tongue to my nose. And I'm like, there's no way I'm saying the, anything <laughs> <laughs> with my tongue touching my nose. So uh, anyway, well, it was a good one. I said the only thing I can do is the worm, which was a cool dance move about 15 years ago. Yeah. I haven't tried in about eight years, but we're going to pretend I can. You know, you'd get the mother of the year award if you did that, right? I After think three I babies? would. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But I also might snap in half. We'll okay. <laughs> All right, Kanita, we are excited to dive more into the heart of racial reconciliation. But uh, 
as we tiptoe toward there, let's hear some of your heart specifically about the gospel. And this is a set of questions we ask every guest. And if the gospel is, I'm more loved than I can possibly imagine, and yet more sinful than I believe, when was that gospel first good news for you? And how is it still? So I grew up in a home um, that was a Christian home. And um, we always went to church and we were involved in our um, just the various activities from uh, youth group to Sunday school to um, choir, worship team. I was on worship team for a while and going to church was what it was about. And I know I I pretty much think that um, we were raised with the mindset that it was a religion. Christianity was a religion and there wasn't really a whole lot of focus on the relationship with Jesus. Um, and so. As we were growing up, I kind of came to believe that if I went to church, everything would be okay. And my belief was that um, good girls go to church. And mm-hmm. I was a pretty good girl. I didn't really rebel a whole lot. So to me, that was um, good enough. And so I always believed that um, as I grew up and I was learning more about church, that that's what made me a Christian. But fortunately, we were in churches that were very gospel-centered. And so um, I was able to really learn the truth at church. Um, so I was very thankful to go. Um, and so around the age of 14, um, I came to Christ and I accepted him into my heart as my savior at a Christian camp. Hmm. Um, but I believe that it was me pursuing him. And that's not accurate. That's not correct. Because um, what I learned years later was that he actually chose me before I chose him. And that's what's in scripture, right? Hmm. Um, so he helped me learn that I am more loved than I could possibly imagine. And for a little girl that grew up in a culture where girls don't really matter a whole lot, um, that was really important for me to know that I had a savior and a father, a heavenly father who loved me unconditionally and was never gonna leave me or forsake me. Mm. Mm. And you said you were born in India, but then Mm -hmm. you moved to Canada when you were how old? I was five years old and my family moved together. Um, So we're gonna just dispel the complete theory that I was adopted. Often people (laughs) think that. Um, Just recently somebody, I was on a trip to India and somebody had um, asked me that question again and I was just kind of like, no, my family moved together. So I get that a lot. Oh man. I can't imagine how many sorts of questions like that that you get on Mm -hmm. the regular. Oh yeah. Hoping that we hear more of that. Um, Kanita, how is the gospel still good news for you? Oh man, you know, the statistics that you just read, um, earlier in the podcast, um, I think that just really reflects on the fact that there's so much pain in this world. There's so much, um, aggression, there's so much, um, chaos. Mm. And, um, I think, you know, we agree that the Lord is a God of, um, hope. He's a God of peace and he's a God of order. And if I don't have that in my own life, um, I'd be fit to be tied. And so for me, it's a daily surrender. It's a daily confession. It's a daily um, habit uh, for me to spend time with him to just really refuel and re-energize so that I can be part of that story and bring hope to people in my life. So good. Mm -hmm. And you bring that heart and that hope with your conversations around racial reconciliation, which you've given me permission. You said, no Mm -hmm. question is dumb. So I'm going to be the voice. Doesn't mean I'll have the answer. Yeah. (laughs) But what is, you know, we titled this the heart of racial reconciliation. What is racial reconciliation? Um, You know what? There are a lot of complicated responses to that question, um, but I've kind of I like to simplify things. So I kind of say that racial reconciliation is bringing the races together without any divisions. Mm -hmm. That means and then another word would be barriers. Right. Helping us live lives together in community, um, really uh, 
putting aside our differences, although acknowledging them because that's what reflects our God who created us. Mm. Um, he's a God of diversity, but at the same time, um, appreciating each other and looking for things that unite us so that we can live more in unity and live more in harmony with each other. Mm. Um, I also need to say, though, that I, I think with the work that I've done, there are two lanes. One lane is the racial reconciliation, and the other lane is cultural education. Mm. And the cultural education, I think, comes alongside the racial reconciliation um, and helps equip and empower people to know how they can be more part of the solution rather than just the problem. So, okay, does that, what you just said, the cultural education along with the racial reconciliation, is that hand in hand with what you said, both acknowledging and celebrating diversity mm -hmm. while pushing for racial removal of barriers? Yeah, I think if people understand what their own personal cultural bent is, then they're able to be part of the solution. Instead of just being told, um, we need to get along. And yeah. because you're white skin, even though I understand that white is a mindset and it's a belief system, mm -hmm. um, you still have white skin yeah. and I have brown skin. Yeah. And so instead of just saying we need to get along because mm -hmm. we're both women and you're white and I'm brown, we just need to learn to get along and accept each other. We bring things into the story that are in our hearts that affect our relationship. Right. Can, and like so my what? cultural nuance, for example. Yeah. Can we just go there? I would love to know more about these cultural nuances, because I think that's how I sometimes perceive this conversation is I'm like, OK, I really I want to get along with everyone, no matter their ethnicity. And is mm -hmm. that the, can I say that word? I'm going to ask that word. Can I do you need to say race or do you need to say ethnicity? How dumb am I sounding right now? Like, First of all, you're not sounding dumb. OK, thank so you. let's go right there. OK, let's um, remove the shame. Right. Okay. And yeah, um, I think, you know, a lot of pressure comes from a lot of that stuff. Right. So my ethnicity would be that I'm East Indian. Yeah. Uh, my skin color is that I'm brown. Yeah. OK. Right. And so is it really because my skin is brown? You might be jealous of my tan. Sorry. I know, but, right? <laughs> you know, are you, is it because of my brown skin that we have an issue? Right. Or is, could it be my cultural nuances, the things that I was um, steeped in, if you will? Mm -hmm. Okay. So tell me cultural nuances okay. that you were steeped in. So one of the things that I like to do when I do my workshops is we talk about hot climate and cold climate simply because we want to simplify, yeah. um, you know, approaching this. Um, there's a lot of big terms that come into this conversation. So when you think about two people that don't have the same skin color or even the same story, right? So even this, this work has been really fun because it's really impacting other, any kind of relationship that you have in your life uh, that's different than you. So when we bring two people with different skin color to the table, there's an overlap. And when I was doing this work, um, I kind of came up with a Venn diagram um, that my husband and I, we were talking through and I said, you know what, honey, there's got to be some common ground between the two different races, for example, or the two different culture groups. What is, what is it? What is the common ground, right? Um, I, just a sidebar, we had talked to a therapist a while back doing some family therapy, and mm -hmm. the counselor said that I was actually hardwired for unity. Mm. And so it was a marriage conversation that we were having. And so I'm bringing that to this table to say, because I'm hardwired for unity, I want to find unity in these relationships. Mm -hmm. Right. And then that speaks back to what God wants for us, too. He wants us to live in unity. Right. So the overlap, I sat with that. And this is what I came up with, that all of us in the human race, in our how God created us, is we need, we want not only to belong, but we want unity. Mm. We want acceptance authenticity and freedom. Hmm. So if those are the common ground, yeah. 
when we're aware of what our cultural bent is, then we're able to then see the other person as a human and we're able to see the other person for their heart mm-hmm. and not their skin color. Mm-hmm. So when we're having a conversation, for example, and let's say we're like, I don't know, sometimes you can just tell, all right, we're not on the same plane. We're off somehow. If we, you know, can can go back to these places of unity, acceptance, authenticity, and freedom, we're <laughs> going to be able to, I guess, reset or, or how, how would that work in a conversation or, or how can you help me? Let's, let's say we had a disagreement, you and me, like how, how could I either find that common ground or be aware of our differences? Okay. So because I've been doing this work and practicing it in a lot of my relationships and it started in my marriage, I'm married to a white Dutch guy <laughs> that was born and raised in Kentwood, Michigan. Hey-o. Um, so Hey Ken, if you're listening, um, <laughs> and you know, for us, our marriage, um, is where we felt the first for a lot of these challenges, being mm. East Indian and then Dutch, right. and marrying into a culture that um, actually exposed a lot of differences between my husband and I, but also as um, a man and a woman, right? right. Uh, mm. We could go on for days on that one. Mm. Um, so one of the first nuances, um, what's common in hot climate cultures is relationships. So we have relationship folks, which are generally hot climate folks, and we have task folks, which are generally cold climate folks. And so relationship folks tend to be people-focused, feelings matter, efficiency and time do not take priority, right? We're all about people. We want to be together. Mm -hmm. So like Lori, when you and I had coffee that day, we could have gone on for a few more hours, but we had responsibilities. (laughs) So then you have task folks that are project-centered, accuracy is important. They tend to be logic-oriented and getting things done. So in this culture in the U.S. and Canada, um, we tend to have very structured um, time matters, project center. We want to get things done, um, you know, kind of that when in Rome <laughs> thought. And so people tend to be more task oriented. Mm-hmm. And you can imagine if a relationship focused person comes up to a task person, they might feel slighted because mm-hmm. they're not being heard. Yeah. They're coming to the table saying, this is relationship time. And the task person is saying, no, we need to get this job done and we need to get moving. Mm. So feelings get hurt. Mm-hmm. misunderstandings ensue. And so when we can understand that we're both, um, that we're different in that way, it's really important that we take a step back, acknowledge that the other person might be different in some way, mm-hmm. allow grace in the space, mm-hmm. which is my little secret code of saying, I allow the Holy Spirit to do his work between you and I. Yeah. And maybe it means I change what I'm doing or I learn a different tool to communicate. You learn a different tool to communicate. Yeah. And, you know, I guess whether you're a Christian or not doesn't matter, but it allows space in the relationship, some air, some fresh air to go through. Yeah. To take a step back mm -hmm. when we hit those blocks. Yep. And so sometimes it's a physical step. Sometimes it's an emotional step. But if we're in a conversation and that's happening, that self-awareness piece is so key for me to understand what my cultural bent is so that I'm not bringing the negative stuff to the table. Mm Uh, we, I just heard uh, Tim Keller, he came actually here, we're mm-hmm. recording at Cornerstone University, he talked about racism. And he said, you know, when we as white people, mm-hmm. and generally speaking, he wasn't right. using hot and cold climate, but he said, we can see our task orientation. Mm-hmm. And instead of saying, this is different, mm-hmm. not we all, we go, this is better. Yeah. <laughs> and then instead he was saying, you know, brown skin, black people, or hot climate, as you're saying, right. can tend toward tend toward the relational and can perhaps if you, again, generalizing white people who say task is number one, they can see people as number one. So they mm-hmm. can view white people or cold climate people as, hey, 
why don't you actually care about people? You're right. so arrogant and you think that you know everything. And so right. then we end up seeing the entire race as less than based on this one interaction because we view our way of approaching life as better. Right. And I think we're guilty of that too. Us yeah. hot climate folks are guilty yeah. of that too. Um, like I said, I just came back from a speaking trip in India and I feel it again. I go mm-hmm. there and I'm immersed in that and I'm like, ah, oh, see, this is the corner on the market. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so right. I have to steward my, I have to ration my two weeks of everything there yeah, for the like next 52 really feeling... weeks. Can I go back? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. Cause you feel seen and known and loved and, and you get it, but it, the temptation. So what do you do with that when you're like, okay, I feel seen and known and loved extra here. Mm-hmm. How do you fight that temptation to say, therefore it's better. So I think that's the biggest trip that we can be on to say that therefore it's better. Yeah. Right. Um, there's a need for task yeah. and there's a need for relationship. Yeah. It's a time and a place thing. Yeah. And I think we need to be respectful on, okay, what do we need to do to get to the middle ground so that we can be working alongside each other, right? Yeah. So I grew up in Canada and I lived there for a little over 22 years uh, before moving here. And the Canadian mindset is that it's a mosaic, Mm. okay? And the U.S. um, is considered the melting pot. Whether we still call it that or not, it really doesn't matter. Um, But that's just kind of how, how it's been. And that's when I went to school, that's what we learned. So the mosaic says that we come alongside each other and do life. And then there's this beautiful picture, portrait, um, you know, tapestry of sorts. And it's beautiful. Now, I get it. Canada has its own challenges with its um, with the racial stuff that's going on there. But just that simple concept of a mosaic says, let's come alongside each other. So Mm -hmm. that's really hardwired in my brain. Mm -hmm. And so then I come to the U.S. thinking, oh, it's going to be the same, just bigger. (laughs) <laughs> yeah the problems are bigger <laughs> so anyway, so here it's the melting pot right um and so the way i use that example is melting pot what ends up happening is people assimilate to the point of losing sight of who they were mm-hmm. and who they are and that started to happen to me about nine or ten years into living in this country mm-hmm. i started to lose sight of who i was I wasn't doing anything Indian. I wasn't cooking. I wasn't um, learning the language. I wasn't maintaining anything culturally. I didn't really have a lot of outfits that represented my culture. Um, And I started to realize how much deep pain that was causing for me. Hmm. And so that started to strike a chord in me that, okay, this assimilation thing, what's going on? So long story short, I started to cultivate a, a mosaic of sorts. And I started to look for people that would come alongside me. Very painful journey. Hmm. Um, people don't know how to do that. Right. Well, well, when you say you were looking for people to come alongside you, what would that what would the not painful version of that look like um, that? I So as a relational person, that I would find more folks that were relational like me. Mm. Right. That would get me that want to just hang out and be relational and and not worry about the time. And as my journey would have it, I started to discover that, you know what, I've only ever been mentored by white Christian women. Huh. So as a brown woman, if I've only been mentored by white Christian women, does that mean that I'm not very Indian? Hmm. Does that mean that there's something wrong with me because I haven't been mentored by white or brown Indian women? Hmm. So it just gave me pause. Hmm. And it made me realize that, you know what? I think there's a crossover here. What do you mean? I think there are some white people that have hot climate traits (laughs) and some hot climate folks that have cold climate traits Hmm. right because we have this desire to be united we have this desire to be accepted seek authenticity and freedom so good okay 
So clearly there's a difference in task in relationship. And I like that you don't say versus, it's just different. Yeah. And to not take it to different, therefore better yeah. or worse. Right. It just is. It just is. And how can we seek unity, acceptance, authenticity, and freedom? How, where can we find this connecting place? What other areas of new, what other nuances are pretty obvious that we may smash into with each other and they become barriers. Yeah. So, um, one of the, one of the things I didn't mention is when we do our workshop, I also talk about shadow side. Hmm. And so my husband and I together came up with these, um, isms, I guess you could call them. I don't know. Um, but a shadow side for relationship would be sometimes feelings get hurt and we can sometimes demand more from others than they're willing to give or they're able to give us relational folks, right. Versus task folks have the potential if they're fully task oriented and not thinking of the person and the relationship that they could become workaholics Mm -hmm. or they perhaps might not give people the time that they need. Can you imagine how detrimental this would be to our churches and the people that come in and, Oh, this is a task. This is a structure versus the relational piece, the acceptance that they're looking for. Mm. Right. Yep. So another nuance that often will get me in hot water. And for my friends that are listening, you know, this very well um, (laughs) is the direct and indirect. Okay. Okay. So in the hot climate, generally speaking, hot climate folks are indirect. Mm. I don't have an indirect bone in my body. <laughs> I don't even have an indirect cell in my body. <laughs> I have had to spend countless time just praying and asking God to give me the right tone, the right <laughs> phrasing, and make it not so hard, tenderize it, like in order to communicate to somebody, mm. right? And so why this cultural work is so cool to me um, is because I was born in a hot climate culture. My home was hot climate. We did um, all, most things Indian when in our were, home. So even though you lived technically in Canada, mm-hmm. which is a cold place, it your is. culture in your home was Correct. hot climate culture. Correct. So it doesn't really matter exactly where you were born. Correct. Cold although, or hot. although I will say that's where our stories start. Hmm. Right. And so hmm. remind me to get back to that okay, in a second. Yeah. And so I was you know, my, my story was cultivated in a hot climate home, Mm -hmm. but I was going to school and college and church and out with friends all in the cold climate. Hmm. Right. And, and even, um, you know, had to learn how it worked. Buses were on time. They don't wait for you. Right. 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 And so, and even in college, the teacher's going to start teaching. If you're late, you show up, you know, so I had to learn and it started to shape me. And so to think about how that environment cultivated my direct self, Mm. versus allowing me to stay as indirect, right? So my environment shaped me. That culture shaped me. When I first discovered my direct self, um, it was very sharp, and I don't mean in a good way. Mm. Um, I was very hurtful. I was very strong. I didn't understand how to hold it. I did not understand how to deliver my direct self. I figured I was a what you see is what you get. So suck it up. <laughs> you know, that was kind of my approach. And I realized it was a protective thing. Mm-hmm. And I also realized that um, the, some of the environments I had grown up in um, and the things that I was greeted with, like when I first moved to the U.S., I was greeted with a sign that was cross-stitched on someone's wall and it was framed and it said, if you're not Dutch, you're not much. Ugh. I think we hear that a lot around West Michigan. Right. And I still share that this story with some people and they laugh and they're like, but it's funny. I'm like, you know, it might be funny in the context of your own culture, but it's really disgusting and it's very painful for the rest of us. Ouch. Why? Because we're looking for unity. We're looking for acceptance. We're looking for um, authenticity and freedom to just be. So literally with the 
my dad says it. Sorry, dad. He's working (laughs) on forgiveness. I know, but the you ain't Dutch, you ain't much. That's like how they say it. But it's saying, so he's saying, I'm looking for unity, acceptance, authenticity, and freedom. But with his eyes closed, he's saying, but only the Dutch, which he doesn't really mean that. Sure, sure. Not at all. But you know, that's that's essentially what you hear is we're saying we get this, but you don't get this. Right. So instead of saying, because uh, it sounds like the invitation you're bringing us to, Kanita, is to be aware of our cultural nuances. So born in hot climate, raised in cold climate, and yet, uh, so holding to the good, not shadow yes. sides of agreed, those. Agreed. Coming to other people mm-hmm. and, and inviting them to also bring their full cultured selves. Right, with right. Their hot and cold right. upbringing and different nuances. And to not go shadow side, but to hold your hands open to the other and say, what's your difference, your beautiful difference? And yet where can we find unity, acceptance, authenticity, and freedom? So you're right. And what I would add to that is also the, um, with the shadow side piece, it's not about just pushing it aside. What is it? It's about looking at it and going, why is it there? Mm, you mean actually do our heart work? Uh, yeah. Get therapy? <laughs> yes, please. Or just hire me as a transformational coach. That'd yeah. be fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but no, seriously, like, all, you know, all joking aside, it's like if I continue to be that direct person, um, I think there would be a lot of um, victims in my wake. Mm. Is that how God has created my story to be? Mm-mm. Or is it to give hope Mm-mm. and acceptance, right? And mm. and love and support and forgiveness and reconciliation. Like that's reconciliation. Mm. So I feel like this is something that we have to reconcile ourselves first, first with the Lord for yeah. those of us that are Christians. Um, and then second with ourselves. And if you're not ready to have a relationship with Christ yet, you know, at least do your heart work, acknowledge yeah. where you're at, do, you know, work through that junk Otherwise, it's the junk that we give each other, and that's not okay. No. Right? So when I walk away after we have an interaction, and I'm still my hard-nosed direct self because I'm protecting myself because you remind me of so-and-so who hurt me the last time. Mm-hmm. I'm going to walk away, and you're probably going to go, ah, oh, Indian women. Hmm. Yeah, not so much. Mm-hmm. How is that helpful? Not at all. Right? And I don't, I'm not minimizing the fact that anger is real. There is so much pain in this country, in this world. But are we willing to try to be the difference makers that we mm. want to see around us? Mm. So good. Can I, can I ask a clarifying question? Yes, please. Okay, because you're saying direct and indirect, and yeah. you gave you the example of yourself being kind of lacking in tact or nuance and, and kind of confrontation. Is, yeah. is that the direct, like the, the dark side or the shadow side direct is like this like kind of steamrolling over people? Yeah. What... what what does the indirect look like? Because as a counselor, as a white male counselor, my automatic response is to go to, well, indirect sounds like avoidance. And, and I, I guess so, but that automatically puts it in a negative term. And I know that while well, you're saying these are, these are not just negative positive, these are just two different operational systems. Right. So I, I guess what is, a, what is an indirect what does this look like in an indirect culture? So I think when somebody is being indirect, I would say the shadow side of that is that they're avoiding. Okay. Right? So if you're avoiding something that you need to deal with, probably not healthy. And I'm sure you meet a lot of clients that are avoiding their situations and not wanting mm-hmm. to deal with what's really there. Yeah. But from a cultural standpoint, like they're probably also highly relational. Mm-hmm. And so they're really concerned about the relationship. They want to make sure that you're feeling the most at home and you're most comfortable. And so they're not going to say something to you that's going to sound um, hurtful or 
painful in any way. Um, So they want you to just feel most at home. And so they might not take your no for an answer. So would you like some tea? No, thank you. Would you like some tea? Are you sure? No, thank you. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah, you must be hungry. No, I'm I'm good. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'll take a sip. <laughs> right? <laughs> so you kind of give in. But there's just this wanting, this desire for them to be so mindful of the relationship. It's okay. very relationship focused. Okay. So mm-hmm. so the, it's not necessarily a confrontation mentality, only mentality. It's more of a just in how you communicate. Like if you say no, you might not actually mean no. You might just be trying to be kinder or whatever. So I'm going to keep asking and keep being hospitable and keep being like invitational. And Mm -hmm. like, I I have the tea for you. I have the, you know, do you want food? Do you want this? Even though I've said no. And to to myself, I'm like, "Uh, I already said no. Yeah. So I think there needs to be some discernment in that space as well for that person to, to say, you know, am I being indirect because I'm avoiding or am I being indirect because I really value this person, this, he's a leader and, mm. you know, I value his or her role and I want to make sure that um, I do the best I possibly can in that space, right? Okay. Um, so like when we think of even the like it butts up against the low context, high context. And so then high context in hot climate cultures would say, if you have a, a leader of a group of hot climate folks, or there's at least one person that's a hot climate person in your group, um, that hot climate person will not challenge or question the leader. So mm. when an assignment is given, then they do it. Well, if that person doesn't have all the information, they're just going to kind of maybe wait, maybe check out what everybody else is doing and kind of do the same thing. Um, and then when the leader comes and says, well, how come that didn't get done? Um, it's almost embarrassing to say, well, you didn't give me all the information or I didn't mm-hmm. have everything I needed, right? So it's really important, even on a leader's, like from leaders, mm-hmm. I'm really passionate about empowering leaders to mm-hmm. say, learn your cultural bent and un- identify what your shadow side is so that you can be more effective and vice versa. So then if you recognize in yourself, you are high context to say, okay, I recognize this. I don't hate myself for it. I don't shame it, but maybe I can uh, go, uh, I can ask more questions Yeah, I think, you know, when you're in a relationship with somebody who's different than you, um, I think it's really important that everybody allows room for those questions. Mm -hmm. And if anyone's coming to the table saying that's a dumb question, it's like, I have a feeling Einstein asked a lot of questions Mm -hmm. to get where he landed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm sure Tim Keller, one of my favorites. I know. Um, Yeah, I loved your post a few weeks ago, by the way. I was like, yeah, that'd be me too. I did paint my, I didn't paint my face and I didn't bring a foam finger when I saw him. (laughs) I definitely thought about it. That's (laughs) awesome. Um, But, you know, he wrote a book (laughs) talking about that. He wrote a book called Counterfeit Gods. Yeah. And I think culture kind of plays some of that, right? That's a counterfeit god inside of me that, oh, I have to have the corner on the market and um, my culture matters more than yours and yep. so on and so forth. So yeah, loved his book. But Can you just so list the different nuances mm-hmm. of hot and cold climate just so we can kind of hear that so that when we hear someone else, and again, just your even your example of saying no, no, no to T multiple yeah. times, like if Matt was not willing to say, okay, I'm approaching a different culture right now. Mine's not better. So if he would have said, Ugh, like frustrated and just not understood this is different, mm-hmm. not better. Uh, it could have led to, again, oh, no, all people are like this. Right. Or, um, you know, you you might have been able to say to the to person, um, I really appreciate your hospitality. Thank you so much. But I don't need to drink the tea right now. Or, 
you know, I'll just yeah. have a little bit, maybe half a cup. So to understand that from this person's vantage point, it is about showing hospitality. It it's is. not about do you actually want the tea. It's am I being hospitable? Am I being, are you feeling cared for? Are you feeling loved? Are you feeling mm. supported in this space? So for him to even in his response to you. So it's not a matter of Matt has to turn into you. No, for he, sure not. He says, he just acknowledges what you're trying to do, mm-hmm. which is to be hospitable. Mm-hmm. And then he can still bring his cultural context to it but acknowledge yours. Yeah, that's a really good forward. that's a really good point cuz I've had a lot of people say to me, "Oh, so you want to be want me to be like you?" Mm-hmm. I'm like, "No, I assure you, one canita on the planet is plenty. We're good." <laughs> um, it's about self-awareness and realizing what are you bringing to the table? And when we do our workshops, we do a spectrum. And mm-hmm. so we do a chart on the wall and there's a spectrum. So like task would be on one end, relationship will be on the one end. Mm-hmm. And then you mark yourself on that spectrum so that um, seeing where you're at and middle is kind of that that middle ground where you can kind of lean either way, depending on how much yeah. practice you've had or whatever. Um, and so not to criticize anyone or, or put anyone down, but the thought is that you, we um, see how cultured we are in mm. that space, right? And so if we're strictly on one end and we're staying there, then we're probably not going to grow forward in our relationships. Mm-hmm. And so the goal is for us to meet in the middle. Yep. So, so even though, okay, I'm from cold, I am way, I can be very task. It's not a matter of me needing to become uh, more people. Correct. <laughs> but I like to become literally only people, primary. But it's a matter of moving toward the middle so that yeah. I am willing to hold my, yep, this is my cultural bent, but I'm willing to meet you in the middle so that right. we can do both of these things. Yep. Okay. So, and then I also then have to say, oh, yeah, Lori's more task oriented. So mm-hmm. um, I have to be mindful that these are some needs that she has. Yeah. Right. And so then once we kind of practice that a little bit more, we kind of start to pick up on um, various relationships in our life. And and it feels like it just kind of rises to the surface. So conversations become that much more fun. Yeah. I'm just thinking of, you know, this whole perception of like, I guess like, like it's, this takes a lot of patience on both Mm -hmm. sides. Mm -hmm. So if there's two sides, if it's white or black, or if it's white and brown, or I don't know, brown and black, whatever sort of different sides in this conversation that Mm -hmm. there can be, but it's some, it primarily feels like white in trying to engage brown or black. Sure. So it seems like we both need to both sides for lack of a better term, need to be able to be patient Mm -hmm. and to be willing to listen. And I think, you know, in, I've heard like white people, I hear them roll their eyes and like, oh, this is too hard. Similar to how I hear people unwilling to engage the LGBT conversation. Correct. Oh, there's too many letters. It's too hard. And like unity, I was saying this with my, one of my coworkers, she's single female woman who I love dearly. And I said, oneness takes work like to be one is the body of Christ Mm -hmm. as Jesus prayed over us in the John 17 takes effort Mm -hmm. and so for us to understand each other's cultural context and to move toward this middle space without Mm -hmm. losing who we are right it takes effort and are we willing to really look people heart to heart and (laughs) see each other as real image bearers even though it does take work I agree right Mm -hmm. it does take work and it needs intentionality and I think we're, so when people say, oh yeah, I want to do the work. And so we do the work and you can tell they don't want to do the work. Yeah. Because what comes out of it is accountability. Yeah. Right. When you learn something, implement it. Yes. So this work is really fun because it's now personal and it's Mm -hmm. now yours. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, in making that connection to the LGBTQ conversation, mm-hmm. um, I I had messaged you last year mm-hmm. um, in regards to a friend of mine, yeah. and I wanted to connect with her um, based on her story and how she had just come out. And um, I actually used some of these nuances because I wanted to see if they would work. Yeah. And I was blown away, right? Mm-hmm. In that situation, this was the first time I was having a conversation with her in a long time, and she had just come out. And I thought, you know what? If I'm going to be fully direct, that's going to be really hurtful to her. Mm. But how can I be direct? How can I still be authentic with her? So I said to her, this is how I was direct with her. I said, hey, I just want you to know I'm going to get this wrong. Yeah. I don't know how to communicate in this space. I've never done this before. But I know I want you to know that I love you. I loved you when your last name was that. And I love you when your last name is this. Mm. That doesn't change. Okay. Mm. But I don't know how to do this. That was me being direct. Direct plus humility. Right? Yes. But it was just like, because I thought, man, how many times? And I'm sure we've all heard stories. Y'all probably have heard a bazillion, right? We've screwed up relationships. We've hurt people. They've walked away. They feel Mm -hmm. dejected, rejected, all of it. And this is like, how can we start fighting for acceptance? Not tolerance. Yeah. Like tolerance is different than acceptance. Genuine. Mm -hmm. God doesn't, he doesn't tolerate our sin, Mm -hmm. but he loves us and he wants us and he wants us to be better at who we are. So good. Okay, so do you mind listing yeah, the, the different nuances? No, this was exactly needed. Sure. So with cold climate nuances, um, what's common is task, being direct, private, individualistic, time, which is more linear. Like, line- like what's that mean? Um, more structured. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Right? There's a start and end time. Yep. Um, and then hospitality, which is also very structured. Mm, yes. And ordered. Yep. Um, which there's positives to that too. So we'll mm. get to that in a second. Um, and low context. Mm. It's kind of an anything goes mentality. Okay. So like even if there's less instructions in the example that you were giving, mm-hmm. just go for it. Just, just figure go for it out. It. Because it's you're responsible for the work. So you'll initiate is okay. the mindset. And so you'll ask the questions you need. You'll Google yeah. it. You're going to figure it out. As right. opposed to waiting for the high context means you would give me more information. Sure. That's a little bit of it. Um, okay. And also high respect happens in high context. And so when oh. the pastor comes, he has a title and he has authority. Uh, and as a mother, uh, which... Sorry, I know you're married, um, but I just think <laughs> yeah. I'm not picking on anybody. Um, but I discovered as a high context mom, I was like expecting respect from my boys. We have mm. three sons and a daughter and I was expecting respect. And so my husband would say, honey, respect needs to be earned. I'm like, Ugh. No, it needs to be given. And so clearly we had an argument high over context, that. Low context, But it made yep. sense because in the high, I'm high context when it comes to that. And mm. I was told, regardless of what you've done or who you are, you automatically get that respect. Now, I'm not saying that people don't abuse their roles, Yeah. Um, but that doesn't matter. Mm. I will be held accountable for how I respected or didn't respect whoever is in that position. Mm. Mm. That's the context. Okay. Not naming names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. So then the hot climate traits, yeah. right, opposite to that, would be relationship, indirect, inclusive, group, cyclical time right so there's no end it just kind of it's event based hospitality which is unstructured mm-hmm. and then high context so helpful with the nuances that you just listed and and you know having a and i know you say you're not an expert but i'm going to say a, a sure. professional view mm-hmm. of some of the stuff that's going on in our culture which which of those nuances do you feel like are are kind of the most 
at the heart of some of the, the tension that we we see in, in our culture in, in the United States. In general or as it relates to race? As it relates, well, I, I guess in general, but specifically with, with the racial issues. Yeah, that's a great question. I would say... Um, Kind of the, the inclusive and private um, inclusion. You know, we throw that word around diversity and inclusion, inclusion yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and so a lot of folks will say, oh, look, we have um, several non-whites on our team. This is great. We're so happy. We've, quote unquote, arrived, right? We have a multi-ethnic team. Um, but my question to them would be, are they just representing or are they actually included in the process? hey oh, mm-hmm. That's inclusion, right? You can invite someone up to the table. But if they're not speaking and they're not participating, are they really being included? And Mm. would you add, like, do they need to bring in also their cultural expertise? Like, they're like, isn't that where the diversity and inclusion is exactly necessary? Like, would that be a critical piece to the inclusion? It would be. So if I'm direct and I'm at the table and I'm direct now, all of a sudden I'm too harsh for some folks. Hmm. Right. Mm. And so if I'm being highly relational, then that's a problem now because we're not getting the task done. And okay, fine, we have tangents. But, you know, there's some of that, right? Oh, no, we're here for business only. Mm -hmm. So then that kind of starts to diminish Mm -hmm. the gifts and the skills that somebody of a different ethnic background would bring to the table. Mm -hmm. And I think when we can look at the cultural stuff, perhaps where your story started, you know how we talked a little bit about that a few minutes ago? Yeah. Um, It's so crucial to acknowledge where your story started because as you look at where you are today, all of those experiences have shaped you. And so perhaps on the inside, you're one culture, but on the outside, you look like the majority culture. This is extremely helpful. <laughs> and that was a really good question, Matt. I'm glad that you asked <laughs> Thank it. Thank you. Um, and just thanks for unpacking this. I guess just can you send us off a task marching order? <laughs> low hey, context. I'm relational. I'm not done yet. No, I know, I know, I know. See? I know. Um, but can you just help us, um, you know, if, like, I'm so glad that you were a safe person for mm-hmm. me to ask. Absolutely. And that's what I appreciate about it. Uh, like Matt and I try to do that with the LGBT conversation, sure. but I appreciate that just so I, because if we can get paralyzed and just not ask questions and then we're, we're just creating all sorts of problems and we're being racist and we don't even know we are. And so how, can you help us take a first step? Sure. Um, well, you can contact me and we can have more conversations. Yeah. So that's fun. So you do consulting. You I do. Yep. So I do workshops around this, but yeah. I also do transformational coaching where I will work with one-on-one mm-hmm. um, with somebody to kind of help them um, kind of bridge through some of that and, and, and weave together um, some of their story, their cultural bent, along with their professional stuff where they're at right now today. So like for leaders and things like that, like Absolutely if they really want to know mm-hmm. pastors, leaders, so mm-hmm. if they're listening and they're like, ooh, I would love a context to be able to ask any sort of question, they could contact you. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And I will do my best to walk with them in that space. Um, I do think it's really crucial that we all practice taking a step back and allow room for grace in this space. Mm. Right. Um, And the only way we can actually get to that point, I think, in each of our stories is if we've done our own personal work of forgiveness, our own internal work of reconciliation. um, With our own stories. mm -hmm, Okay. Okay. mm -hmm, Right. My story is littered with rejection. Mm. It's littered. I was even told as a kid, because of your brown skin, you won't get anywhere in life. Stop it. Right. But you probably couldn't do this job if you didn't forgive that person. Hello. Yeah. 
Yes. Um, and so, you know, there's that. And I have met countless leaders and pastors who um, have so much deep rooted unforgiveness in their story. And yet they I think they separate themselves to getting up on the pulpit to preach. And totally. got to be honest with you, it's not very inclusive of them, is it? Mm. No offense. Love you, pastors. Right. But even um, within their own bodies, they're not exactly. Being inclusive. So how can mm. they be inclusive of the body? Right. Right. So, yeah, lots, lots more there, too. Um, I think that that mindset of unity within the context of our churches. So this is kind of a marching order. Um, it's not OK for us to say within the context of our churches. Oh, but we're united in Christ. Right. <laughs> um, you can say that. But I sure hope that you're being inclusive. I sure hope that you're also embracing and walking with and most crucially stepping into the mess with people mm. to say that I'm giving you your space is so painful for someone that's highly relational when they're going through a crisis. Oh, snap. Personal mm. story, but we won't go there. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I think that's really crucial. Like, let's not tell each other, hey, I'm giving you your space mm. when they're going through a crisis. They're used to villages. They're used to community. They're used to multiple family mm-hmm. relationship type things, right? So asking someone maybe, like, how can I care for you? Would it Like, so if someone you know is from a warm climate, just practically, sure. and they're going through grief or pain, would it be culturally kind, not culturally insensitive to say, can, how can I care for you? Or would it be better? And probably everyone's unique in this. Sure. Everyone is unique. Yeah. To ask the question and don't assume space. Maybe right. that's the biggest thing. Don't, don't assume, assume. space. But, but, but people do assume space because that's their cultural bent. That's yeah. that individualistic. Mm-hmm. You're going to pull yourself by your bootstraps and so am I. Yeah. Right. Or yeah. I'm going to do it. Therefore, you are too kind of, you know. Yeah. And so as a relational person who goes through various crises, right, or different challenges, it's like, where are my people? Yeah. I shouldn't have to ask that. Mm. If I'm part of a body of Christ, yeah. I shouldn't have to ask that. And I think that's true for whatever you're going through in your life. Yeah. Right. Um, and I know it's, it's a sensitive thing for LGBTQ folks. They're going through stuff. They want people to walk with them. And yeah. that's just not happening for X, Y and Z reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so that unity in Christ piece, um, gets really messy in that space. Um, remember that cultural nuances aren't right or wrong. They just are. And just because I'm Canadian and I really believe in the mosaic mm-hmm. doesn't make the mosaic right <laughs> and the melting pot wrong. <laughs> okay. Can I just say that out loud? Um, and, uh, the opposite of love is not hate. It's apathy. Mm-hmm. And so when we don't acknowledge our apathy, then we stand with the racist. Mm. Right. Let that sink in when we don't when we when we don't acknowledge our apathy, the I don't care mentality. Mm. And then this is my favorite um, because I came up with it. Um, I believe that unity results in exponential growth. Mm. And if we're going to experience growth in our communities and our churches and our relationships, we need to continue to find and live in the unity we have with each other. Yeah. And so we need to find things that are in common. Yep. Thank you so much for your heart and your mind and your wisdom. And just, again, for just being a safe person for us here to not ask our dumb questions, but our questions where we really do want to know. Because I think, you know, for me, maybe it's not apathy, it's fear that can run me. And just like, I don't want to mess up. I want to get it right. And I think that's a lot of the LGBT conversation, too, is that's where they're similar, Mm -hmm. too, is Mm -hmm. this fear. I want to get it right, but I don't know how to get it right. So just thank you for being a safe person. Thank you for doing what you do. And um, 
for taking taking us a step down this path. And again, yeah. guys, we, we want to circle back again um, with this conversation. Can I just say something real quick about Please. the safety piece? Yeah. I think that's key, too. I hadn't mm. remembered that, that um, if we're going to continue unity within our churches and within our relationships, I think it's absolutely crucial that we provide safety for each other. Yep. That means I'm not going to criticize you. I'm not going to say you've got a dumb question. I'm not going to minimize yeah. you, devalue you, break you down, whatever. Yep. Right. Yep. And so then I'm picking up that you're not going to do that to me either. Exactly. And that safety piece. And, you know, years, a couple of years ago, there was a safety pin thing going around. And I'm like, yeah. that safety pin is not telling me that you're safe. You weren't safe yesterday. You're not going to be safe because of a safety pin. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, right. whoever invented that. Um, so it's about the relationship, right? Yep. And allowing us to have a safe space yep. and vice versa. That's so good. Thank you so much. Guys, if you want to hear more about SEMA Global Consulting, just how you can connect with Kanita and um, just specifically to be able to ask these questions and to learn how we can soften our hearts first. And I feel like that's a big another takeaway for me is just um, even if they, your people of your same race or ethnicity are not being graceful or people of different ethnicity or race are not being graceful. That doesn't give us the license to do the exact same back to them because that is not the way of Christ. And so just these beautiful words that Kanita just left us with this humility, this safety that we offer first, just like Jesus offered it to us first. And so let's approach one another with love. Let's really approach authenticity and unity, not with those who look like us, sound like us, are from cold climate or warm climate like us, but just with everyone. So I'm grateful for this conversation. I hope you guys are too. Um, and we're going to, again, keep coming back because I really, I, I want to learn more in this space. And um, I'm grateful for people like Kanita and others who can help to equip me in my heart. Um, speaking of equipping, we are going to have uh, some more. We're going to talk again about sexuality with uh, Dana Gresh next week. We're going to be talking parenting. And uh, she actually did a TED Talk recently, which is pretty neat. Um, but a question of the week that we're going to ask her and y'all. And we'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, or email us at podcast.himhministries.com with that voice memo. You can answer this question. What do you have duct taped together right now? <laughs> So this is my sister actually texted me this question today. And so I liked it. So what in your house is duct taped? You know, you got something and I want to hear it. Uh, so again, you can find us on the social meds and um, follow us. And uh, so we love hearing from you. Those funny things as well as those prayer requests. And um, if you have any further questions for us or suggestions on this racial reconciliation conversation, we want to hear it. But for all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast, we will see you next week. got a, an 18 year old in the house again that's crazy yep grown up yep he's uh saving for a car yeah I'm nice like, yeah let's get moving on that it's about time <laughs> yes exactly Ooh. uh-oh i was gonna try to do a foy's trick you're gonna oh, do foy's with, trick with this quarter that's crazy was he using a quarter for that yeah damn i, I there's no way i can i do used it. to do the thing where you stack them up on your l and you can catch them Oh, that's such a seventh grade boy. Very much so. Did you teach your sons too? (laughs) Yes, I did. (laughs) Did you also walk the dog with your yo-yo? Yeah, were you a yo-yo boy? I was not a yo-yo guy. Oh, that's somebody at the door. That's probably her. Run.